What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Yarnies. I'm your host for today, Matt Johnson. With me, as always, Austin Terry. Austin, how are you doing? You didn't do our boys talking the boys thing. That's because today it's a surprise. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast within the podcast, The Boys Talking the Boys. <laughs> today we're covering episode seven of season two of Amazon Prime's hit show, The Boys. The episode, of course, is called Butcher, Baker, Candlestick Maker. So, Austin, now that you ruined my surprise, please inform the audience and myself, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I can't believe we've only got two episodes left, including this one of the boys talking the boys. Yeah. But I'm coming to you again with another question. Please indulge us. Last week, you know, we really fleshed out some superpowers that we'd want to have. And I think it's time that we further develop our characters. So we, mm. you know, last week said we wanted some popcorn themed powers. So I want to know what you think your weakness, your Achilles heel would be, if you will, if you were a superhero. Uh, probably butter. which is a problem because i love it and i need it on my popcorn so it's kind of this beautiful um irony of my character you might say i want nothing more than to put that butter on the popcorn um to prevent my power of course being able to prevent popcorn kernels from getting stuck in my teeth so butter being my weakness only makes sense um i do have a slightly smaller weakness and that is of course dentists um Luckily, my power does take care of most of the kernels, but my teeth are just absolutely riddled and almost gone for the matter. So dentist, I cannot go to either because it's a secondary weakness that I'm working on. I'm working on it. What about yourself? Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be water. Um, And Mm. that honestly is an an irony of my character as well, because all I want to do is uh, get that salty taste out of my mouth, but I can't take a drink of water. I just have to use my powers. No, I totally get that. I mean, it's only it's only fair. If you think about it from that perspective. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep furthering the development of our characters into the finale next week. Which speaking of... I think next week, just so you can be thinking about it, I think next week we're going to have to decide on some superhero names and if we're going to be a dynamic duo or if we're going to operate separately. We'll see. We'll see. We'll have to build it out. But like you mentioned, there's only one episode left after this one. We have the finale coming up this week. So it's crazy. You know, they dropped three episodes at once at the beginning of the season. That kind of kicked things off. But ultimately, it was only eight episodes, just like season one. So we're winding down. This is pretty much the end. And Austin, just right off the bat, let's get to it. What did you think of episode seven as kind of the penultimate episode that is supposedly going to lead us right into... This finale coming up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I enjoyed this episode, but um, ultimately, I think I found it a little bit forgettable. And when I say that, I I honestly was having a hard time remembering what happened while we were prepping for this episode. Um, I think it ends on a great cliffhanger, though. That really is going to make the finale pretty exciting. Um, However, once again, everyone is split up. And that was kind of frustrating to me. Um, It was great in episode six when we had the whole crew working together. I felt like that made the story flow so much better. For the sake of just staying spoiler free here, I'll just say I was disappointed uh, with the way Lamplighter was used. I didn't care really, really anything about Butcher's story, um, but I did really enjoy the Starlight and Homelander plots. So I can't wait to see where those go in the finale of this season. Yeah, definitely a step down from the episode we had previously, episode six, which I think both you and I agreed was probably not just the best episode of the season, but maybe the best episode of the series up until that point. So naturally, when you have a step down, it's disappointing. I think we did still get some strong momentum moving forward. 
But yeah, definitely not as good. And I, I do agree with you. Unfortunately, the big problem with this episode is Lamplighter's introduction I thought was so exciting and the cliffhanger at episode six of how he might be used going forward was certainly intriguing. And it went in the direction I thought in a sense, but it certainly didn't end the way I thought. And I think it was kind of just kind of a lame ending. And I, I could not agree with you more. Um, I think this season we've gotten a lot of lame butcher storylines. Obviously, Carl Urban being probably one of the bigger names in this series. I think it only makes sense that being both the leader of the boys, they're going to try and further his character development. And sometimes that means maybe he needs to have his own story. But I feel like all of the solo butcher stuff this season has just been some of the weakest and most boring. I, I didn't care at all about seeing him interact with his father that he hasn't talked, that he hasn't spoken to. I mean, I feel like it was supposed to be this scene that enlightened us to that character, or at least it was supposed to show us where he came from. But I feel like I already knew that. I feel like I could piece it together in my own head. I didn't need to actually see where they stood. So it was just one of those things where it makes you wish we could have spent that time with other characters because it was just a waste of time, in my opinion. You know, it, it almost feels like this writing crew might be working with Zack Snyder's editing crew, where they just mm. can't cut anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just, they're either completely on it, like they were in episode six or in this one, where again, like I said, it's just, we kind of knew where Butcher came from. And even if it was a little bit mysterious at times, I think we were at least able to piece it together relatively easily. But here, it's like they just had to tell us straight out what his deal was, where he came from. And even when it was over, I didn't really feel like I came away with new information. So it was just kind of odd. Um, but before we get into too many specifics, uh, we should probably give a spoiler alert. Austin. Spoilers. Let our fans know. Let our fans know. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Uh, so those are some of our kind of non-spoilery thoughts. If you haven't seen episode seven, pause us right here. Go watch the episode and then come back and join us for all our non-spoiler talk. So, before we break down scene by scene or just things we like, things we didn't, let's go ahead and just read the plot all the way through. So, I'm just going to take the Wikipedia plot just because they are pros at keeping it short and sweet. So, Austin, let me read this to you and then let's dive in. So, episode 7, Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. Congresswoman Victoria Newman schedules a hearing against Vought with Lamplighter being the chief witness. After Vought uncovers Annie's betrayal, Huey convinces Lamplighter to join him in a rescue attempt. And listen to this sentence. Which results in the latter immolating himself to deactivate her holding cell. We'll get into that in a little bit. I don't know if I agree. That's what they're... That's not Goal what happened. Was. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was not Lamplighter's plan. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, regardless, Annie escapes with the help of Maeve, who subdues Black Noir. Meanwhile, Homelander and Stormfront manipulate Ryan into leaving Becca. A-Train grows suspicious of the Church of the Collective. Maeve and Elena break up over Maeve failing to save the plane. Despite the loss of Lamplighter, Butcher strong-arms Vogelbaum into testifying against Vought. However, the hearing is sabotaged by an assassin who kills Vogelbaum and others in the same manner that Raynor was killed earlier in the season. So two things jump out at me before you hop in here, Austin. First of all, we'll dive into the scene when we get there, but I think it's a bit of revisionist history here, saying that Lamplighter sacrificed himself knowing that him burning himself alive would somehow set off an alarm that Starlight would be able to use her powers since the cell she was in had no electricity or energy, so the alarm going off gives her that. Seems a bit of a stretch to me. Whoever was writing this summary for Wikipedia was being very generous <laughs> to the writing crew in this episode. 
Well, the one thing they were not generous on is what we mentioned earlier. There is no mention at all of Butcher meeting with his family. <laughs> I mean, they talk about Butcher later in the episode, but they completely cut out that storyline as I think they should have in the actual episode. So, and honestly, just, I think we can cut that out too. I don't. I think we've given it enough screen time as it is already on our episode. Yeah, the only thing I will say is I do love the actor that plays Butcher's dad, John Noble. He played Denethor in the Lord of the Rings films. He also, for gamers out there, he voiced Scarecrow in Arkham Knight. I really enjoy him as an actor, but it's just one of those things. You, know, you, you can get an actor that's fun to watch, and it was cool to see he and Carl Urban have like a fun little Lord of the Rings reunion, but it's just completely unnecessary. So I agree with you. We've given enough time. Basically, they just rehash everything like – oh, your brother killed himself because of you, not me. And we're like, okay. And then he just chokes him and then that's the end of it. So yeah, I mean, it's a fine scene. It's well acted. It just, yeah. it feels like it belongs in season one, not season two. Eggs could not agree more, especially the end of season two. Like just, just odd after all this like development, I feel like we've gotten from other characters. So anyway, let's go to move on. Besides that, of course, since we're done there and let's not talk about the lamp letter stuff yet. Is there anything about this episode or the plot that I just read that jumped out at you? Is something that you either really liked or really didn't? It's actually not mentioned in that plot summary, but something I do kind of want to touch on really quick is just it kind of opens with some like yes. Fox News uh, right wing media parallels um, mm. in this episode and which leads to a man getting radicalized and killing an immigrant worker. Um, so what did you think yeah. about that opening? And do you think that's tying into anything else or do you think that was just kind of like the writer's crew statement on the way right wing media is in our country? I think love it or hate it. I think it was certainly um What's the word I'm looking for? Exaggerating or just parodying or playing around with the right-wing media terms? I mean, it felt very on purpose that they used thoughts and prayers, stuff like that, um, as kind of the end-all be-all. Again, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. It just I think that was their goal. And especially where the last episode ended with Stormfront and Homelander coming together despite her Nazi origins. I'm not surprised that this is kind of the follow-up. But regardless, man, I think talk about just they peaked in this opening this opening was so powerful in both some good ways but also just absolutely terrifying ways it had some real world parallels it was sad it was just it's a gut punch and then the way the boy's title comes up over this poor man's dead body haunting and then we go into the episode and i think it does ultimately go downhill i just think this opening was so powerful that this guy who just kind of is so normal guy goes about his normal routine his day and he's just such a big fan of Stormfront and he's obsessed with watching her and her interviews and just everything about her on TV and like you said it leads to him getting radicalized and there's this moment at the store that I guess he goes to every day and he thinks he sees a light glimmer in the uh, cashier's eyes. And I liked how they filmed that because I actually had to rewind it after the moment later. Where he's like, I-, I saw your lights or your eyes light up. I was like, what? So like I rewound and actually watched the scene. It was really cool because it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, the way it was shot is it could have been, but also it also looks like the way a door opens whenever it's like really bright outside and it kind of just like goes across his eyes, the light. So I liked how it was a bit ambiguous, but he tries to defend himself in the end and gets shot. So I thought it was great. It's such a powerful way to open. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought it was a really effective opening and, and albeit, you know, very sad as well. Um, I do actually kind of like where, where this leads to, because it does lead to like a, a Homelander stormfront, almost a rally where they, it feels like they're both taking like a hard line stand um, on their policies Mm-hmm. If you want to call them policies, um, and I, I guess the question that leaves me with is: Is Homelander's like public image fixed now? Like, 
just after Stormfront's memes. Like they never really established that. And then he comes out with her and, and everyone seems to be on board with him just being back in the public eye now. Yeah, that, that was one thing that I make I made a note of. It was really cool the way they showed like at this rally. And basically they're using this tragic event in the opening to their advantage. So in terms yeah, of the public yeah. eye. And, and I agree with you that uh, it was very easy to see how they played that off and how the people at this rally are just in love with them. But it would have been nice to see regular people not like our main characters, just other people out there. Because like you said, I mean, he was, he dropped so many points in the public opinion in the other episodes. So people that weren't at this rally, does everybody feel the same way? And yeah, to answer your question, I have no idea. It's kind of hard to tell. And certainly they are also playing up the fact that we're a couple, you know, they're utilizing that whole thing of people love, love. So we're going to have them be like a public couple and stuff like that. So yeah, hard to tell. I don't know what the whole world thinks of Homelander. I would have to assume some people still aren't happy, but we didn't really see that in this episode. I hope. I just kind of hope there is like a backlash to him picking a side in next week's episode, um, just because like in our the show is kind of grounded in what it would be like in the real world. And mm-hmm. in the real world, if you pick a side, regardless of what it is, there's always is a backlash because you're going to upset half of your base. So I just want to see if there is going to be like some sort of public back- backlash that they show in next week's episode. Yeah, I don't know. Um, certainly that could tie into the ending where Homelander and Stormfront kind of... I don't know if mysteriously is the right word, but they do end up surviving that just mass head explosion craziness at the end. So you have to imagine maybe some of that might plant a public opinion, but not entirely sure. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. So next, we kind of go into an interesting scene. I think uh, (laughs) certainly one character that hasn't gotten too much screen time this season, probably for a good reason, because she's kind of a scumbag, uh, is Starlight's mom. We see her come back and we find out she never left. She stayed in town. She wants to meet with Starlight. And we get a pretty haunting scene where she reveals that she told Vought that it was all good of her. And like, and Starlight, we're going to go off, take some time apart. Starlight freaks out. And then just smoke grenades coming through the window. And Black Noir just runs out of the smoke and hits her over the head with like a, a steel pipe. It was, it was insane. I was like, whoa. Kind of caught well, and, off uh, to a thing. We did forget to mention something big at that rally that Homelander and Stormfront do is they publicly say uh, Starlight's a traitor and she's working with the people that killed Stillwell. So that's now out in the public sphere. So Starlight's officially out of the seven. Yeah, it kind of just happened out of nowhere. It certainly did not happen with like a bunch of scenes leading up to it. It's just right after the opening at that rally scene, they just say that Starlight's a traitor and she was the one that, you know, broke Compound V or whatever. So we already knew that Stormfront knew that, but pretty surprising. This is how it just happened. And then, like I said, Black Noir hits over the head, knocks her out, and then just a couple minutes into this episode, we find out that Starlight's been exposed and she's now imprisoned in Vought in the cell where there's no electricity. So she's just trapped. What did you think of all this? I mean, did you think this was kind of a nice start to the episode? Where did you think we were going to go from here? Yeah, I, I like this a lot. I think it's a yeah. great way to move the story along. Um, I like that, you know, Starlight is officially out of the seven. So now we can have more content of her teaming up with the boys because um, that's just out there in the public eye now. She doesn't really have to worry about protecting her image and kind of staying undercover. Um, and really, the first 20, of, 20 minutes of this episode are great. Um, I think it is a very effective opening, and it really felt like we were keeping the ball rolling from episode six. It's just so hard to break down because there's too many moving parts, and I agree with you. We got a moment just after this that kind of acted as the thing that you and I aren't the biggest fans of in the show, and that's whenever they 
break characters apart or like, you know, give them their own storylines. And it just kind of, I feel like they do it too much. So we get a scene where all the boys and Mallory and Victoria Newman and Lamplighter, we're all together in one place. We've just, you know, Lamplighter is going to be the chief witness that Victoria Newman has been looking for. So she can have like a hearing against Vought. Uh, Lamplighter has kind of just agreed to it just out of not having anything else to do at this point and guilt seemingly. And then just kind of weirdly, it's like it comes up out of nowhere. We we could get another chief witness. Who would that be? Oh, Vogelbaum. So then Mallory just takes mother's milk and they leave. And then Butcher gets a call that his dad died. So he leaves. And it's like, you stay here, Huey. You watch Lamplighter. So they're going to stay. And honestly, we, we could not stop gushing about Frenchie and Kimiko last week. I don't even remember what their role was. I, I know they were like holding a sniper on someone at some point watching them. But I think this was their only scene. <laughs> like, do you remember what they were doing? They're trying to keep an eye on somebody because Mallory says, don't you dare leave your post. But I can't remember who they're trying to keep an eye on. Or Newman, maybe. Maybe they were watching Victoria Newman, the congresswoman. Yeah, I think it's got to be that. I think they were her protective detail. Yeah, it's like on the one hand, you want to go back and look to make sure we have this right. But on the other hand, the show didn't really seem to care too much about it. So I'm not going to either. We did get kind of a sweet scene. Again, it's really their only scene. But we see Frenchie, who's been complaining that he wants to be able to communicate with Kamiko. Um, but he doesn't understand because don't, she doesn't speak in traditional sign language. So we do get kind of a fun, cute little scene where she teaches him one word, which is gun. And it's just kind of funny because it's literally just her doing like a finger gun and saying, oh, it's a gun. That's the word. And Frenchie yeah. kind of got a kick out of it. So, you know, at least we got something with them. It wasn't substantial, but it was it was kind of cute. So, And I'm, I'm glad their relationship is at least moving forward as well. Like, I'm glad that I'm glad that something didn't happen where like now their relationship has taken a step back. Like, I'm glad we're at least moving forward and, and Kimiko has agreed to teach Frenchie her language. Yeah, kind of cool. Um, we, we do see another huge relationship move forward as well. And that is, of course, Huey and Lamplighter, who have progressed to the point where they can watch porn together. So how did you feel about this? This is another, I felt kind of just, what's the word? This felt like classic boys a little bit, kind of in the first season where we got to see each individual member of the seven, like the big movie franchise they were in. This is where we got to discover the names and what a little bit of it looked like, all the porn parodies that they were in. <laughs> did you get a kick out of that? Yeah, you know, this comedy really didn't work as well for me in this episode as no. as some of as much as some of the other stuff does. I did think the porn names and the little clips were really funny. I just mm -hmm. felt like we spent too much time in this scene. Like if we had just like one little pull away shot and we got a funny porn name, that would have been one thing. But we're in this scene in this conversation for like five minutes of this episode and it's just too long. Yeah, and Lamplighter feels like a different character in this episode. Um, I he really like, does. I quite like Sean Ashmore, and I really thought he gave a great performance just in the, the last episode, where it was kind of his and Frenchie's show for the most part. But here, it's certainly not his fault. It just feels just completely different, um, both the writing and, I don't know, it was kind of weird. And he's talking about how all he ever wanted to do is make his dad proud, and whenever he burned down a house, his dad was so proud of him. Kind of odd, and then... He talks about feeling like he's he's the cuck and like maybe Huey's the cuck and then he calls Huey useless. And then, of course, that comes back later whenever Huey's like, we got to save Starlight. You don't want to be the cuck, do you? You want to be the guy doing the fucking. And it's just so, <laughs> it doesn't feel earned at all. Like Lamplighter is just like, OK, and then they leave. It's just weird. I, I agree with you. The comedy didn't work. I just thought the porn names were funny. Um, and unfortunately, I think kind of the Lamplighter story that we're talking about here continues to take kind of a. A downward spiral. I don't think it ends anywhere particularly exciting, but 
Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. He just feels so wasted in this season. Like we spent five episodes setting him up. You know, we we thought he was going to be this like uh, terrible monster of a character, and then it ends up that he's actually pretty remorseful for his actions, and that's cool to see. Um, I really like where we end with his character in episode six, but then to just open this episode with him being depressed and watching porn and then burning himself alive. Like he just feels very wasted in this season. And I don't know who he is in the comics or how important he is in the comics. So maybe, maybe this is just the way he is in that medium. Um, but he, he did feel like it did really feel like we wasted his character in this episode. Yeah. After looking into it a little bit, I don't think he plays that much more of a role in the comics. Um, I guess if people are reading it, I won't spoil it, but I think it's a small role as well. And, you know, I don't think it's a hundred percent fair for me to sit here and complain that I just wish they would have done it this way instead. But I kind of can't really help it. I just feel like it would have been so much more striking at the end of the episode. That shot wherever a vocal bomb kind of wheels into the room and Homelander, who this guy was his father figure, kind of looks and for once doesn't look angry. He just have, looks like he has nothing to say. Um, I feel like it would have been a bit more powerful if, if Lamplighter had walked in. I feel like everybody just would have been shocked. Um, Lamplighter in full costume, too. That would have been kind of cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we didn't get that. Yeah, and I agree with you, regardless of the way they handled it. I guess if I'm going to play devil's advocate to myself, um, I guess it is a bit of a natural continuation from the last episode where we just see him so broken down by the end. Like At the end of the last episode, he's asking Mallory to kill him because we'll be doing him a favor. So the idea of him just being depressed and saying that he'll be the witness because what else is he supposed to do and then ultimately killing himself because Mallory wouldn't. All of that on paper makes total sense. I just, I kind of agree. I just, I didn't really enjoy the writing for his character in this episode nearly as much. And by the time he did kill himself, this episode was such a downer for me in terms of him. I didn't really care too much. So yeah, kind of a shame. So Lamplighter's death does lead to Starlight's escape from her yeah. cell. And then we get a kind of little uh, Black Noir Starlight showdown. What do you think about this fight? Oh, this was dope. This was so cool. I loved uh, the. It's just one of those things, you know, it's classic buildup. We see Black Noir at the beginning of the episode just totally take her by surprise and knock her out immediately. Smashes time, her head in with a table. <laughs> yeah. And then this time she is able to stand up to him a bit more. But then as the fight goes on, he just ends up just really getting the better of her and just kind of wears her down. And there's this really well edited shot, I thought, where he starts, he gets her down on the ground and starts choking her. And then she completely blacks out. And then the screen cuts to black and it's like, is this is this credits or what's happening? And then it just immediately comes back on and we see Maeve standing above, like choking out Black Noir. And then something I, I know a lot of people online were excited. I, I guess I missed it in the other episode. There was apparently that scene whenever he went to go track Butcher with the computer analyst. He does. She offers him an Almond Joy and he grabs it and throws it in the trash. I missed that. But Maeve ends up taking an Almond Joy that I guess she had on her and uh, shoves it in his mouth. We do get Black Noir unmasked a little bit. It wasn't like... I believe in the comics, there's a pretty cool reveal of who Black Noir is, but here it's clearly it's clearly it's yeah. Nobody. I was seeing online that I heard most people were happy though, because from what I understand in the comics, people hate that reveal of Black oh, really? Noir, like oh. who it ends up being. I hear it is people. I think generally fans did not like it. Um, I was seeing online that who Black Noir is is a pretty important reveal in the comics, but yeah. I didn't see anything about be, people being unhappy. So I wonder if we'll get that later on. Um, but yeah, I, I love this scene. I thought it was so funny. As yeah. well, just the fact that you know this guy who can't be beat in combat just gets an almond joy stuffed in his mouth, and that <laughs> totally incapacitates him. So, yeah, because he, he has a nut allergy, apparently. Is yeah, what he says. And so then she funny. kicks away his epipen. Um, yeah, it, it was so cool to see this figure that has been so—I don't even know what you would call it. It's just 
kind of like there's nothing that can break this guy down both from a image perspective and also physically and to see him crawling on the ground grasping for breath trying to pull out an EpiPen and then getting it kicked away and just falling unconscious was really like exciting to watch um it was also interesting and the fact that um Maeve knows his weakness as well yeah. it's kind of cool I wonder if we're going to get like a Tower of Babel Batman-esque Maeve in the final episode where she knows everybody's weakness yeah who knows? Who knows? A uh, couple of things here that were interesting. Um, I still don't know Black Noir's powers. We do know that he's just invulnerable to anything. But whenever they pulled up his mask, it did seem like almost Deadpoolish, just completely burned. It looked yeah, like. Yeah, it really did look like that. So maybe he was experimented on. Who's to say? Um, but then the other big thing here, and this is more of talking about where this is going to go in the finale. But this is something that for whatever reason didn't really hit me until... A little bit after I watched the episode, because it is kind of funny that Maeve, and we'll talk about Maeve's storyline in a little bit, but Maeve just chokes him out. Clearly, there's no mystery to Black Noir that it's Maeve. So I pres- obviously, I assume Black Noir doesn't die from this. Obviously, somebody could. I'm, I'm assuming he'll be fine. But Maeve then just kind of walks out, and then Starlight has this cool moment that seems like, oh shit, is this the moment we're we'll waiting for? She's like, come with me. And then Maeve is just like, nah, and just walks away. So is she just going back to her room? Is she leaving Vought to go out on her own? Because if she doesn't, what would stop Black Noir, Homelander, and Stormfront from killing Maeve? And maybe that's going to be the big thing next episode. Maybe this is what this is leading to, is Maeve doing this, not caring because of Elena breaking up with her. And maybe at, like next episode, she tries to come to the rescue and save the boys and Starlight, and, and maybe she dies. I don't know. Where do you think this is going? Because it was so weird that she just kind of walks away, because Black Noir can just kind of... Somebody gives him his EpiPen, <laughs> maybe he's fine, and then he can just be like, Maeve did it. <laughs> like, what did you think of all this? Yeah, I, I was really hoping Maeve was going to go with Starlight. Because now, if we get Kimiko, Maeve, and Starlight on mm-hmm. the boys' side, like, they have a shot in a fight yeah. if it does come out, come down to that. So I, I, I'm really nervous Maeve is going to die next episode. It does seem like she's a little, uh, I don't want to say broken, but definitely very disheartened after Elena leaving her. It doesn't feel like she's as motivated. Um, no, so we'll see. I th- I think we are definitely going to get a pretty big Maeve moment in the finale. I just don't know if it's going to be her death or if, her, if, or if it sets up something for season three. Let's jump to another pretty interesting storyline. Um, we So after the rally, there's a quick scene where Homelander and Stormfront are kind of regrouping afterwards. And Stormfront just notices a woman holding a child and she kind of reflects back on her own daughter and her family that has all died before her because she either doesn't age. I guess she doesn't age anymore. So she's watched so many loved ones die. And then, of course, I didn't know where this was going at first, but she talks about like wanting to have a child and missing that. And then Homelander kind of like has this moment of realization and then it cuts. And then, of course, I didn't realize it, but it makes sense. We're back in Becca's backyard. And then these two just both land on the ground. And this was kind of an oh shit moment for me because we see Becca and Ryan playing together. And it's like, oh, no. Now that Stormfront, because Homelander was cordial enough with Becca, I think maybe he realized what he did to her was terrible, but he still wants to have a relationship with his son, so he's not going to, like, kill her or anything. But now that he has Stormfront here, it's kind of like two against one a little bit. So I think he feels a bit more confident in terms of he wants more time with his child, and Stormfront had some uh, pretty, (laughs) pretty tough moments to watch here in terms of just already feeling like she's the number one woman in the situation. So what did you feel like about this intro to this storyline? Yeah, man, with both of them on screen, like 
there's just always this sense of dread. It's like, what are these two going to do now? You know, and that really is a credit to the to the actors and the actress and, and their performances. But yeah. I I know kind of in the beginning of this season, I was complaining that we've had a little bit too much Becca content. Um, but I was happy to go back to this. I'm glad that we've had like a little bit of a break, but I felt like her scenes here were really effective. And I found it really interesting when Stormfront and Homelander are clear to point out that Ryan is the first natural born superhuman. Um, so I'm wondering if Stormfront is kind of lying about her. I want a child motivation. And if she really just wants him for like the purpose of more testing. Yeah, we still don't fully know. I think we know a lot about Stormfront. A lot of mysteries have been kind of resolved a little bit, but still, if Homelander really is this love of her life she's been waiting for, and whether or not Ryan really is actually a son that she wants to care for, or just is interested in doing more testing to kind of produce more people like this, still unclear. I I would be shocked if we weren't fully kind of given those answers next week on the finale, so we'll see. But regardless, kind of waiting... To hear more on that, I, I just thought these scenes were some more highlights for sure. I love seeing these two kind of go against Becca. And it was also kind of fun because up until this point, clearly Becca's – she doesn't want to acknowledge to Ryan almost kind of what Homelander is. And clearly he lives a sheltered life. So we get to see in this scene Stormfront kind of clearly – kind of to throw shots at Becca's informing Ryan about kind of the outside world, what other things that kids his age might be interested in. Also the movies that his dad has been in, kind of stuff like that. The fact that Homelander has his own theme park and Ryan being a small boy is, of course, just thrilled about this and he thinks it's so cool. So this is kind of the first moment where even though we saw earlier in the season, we saw Ryan kind of um, protect his mom by shoving Homelander yeah, it's kind of already in this scene, things are turning and we get to see just by a couple quick lines from Stormfront, Ryan starts to be more interested in his dad and who he is and the outside world. So what do you think about this stuff? Well, I also do think there is a really great scene here between Homelander and Becca. Yeah. Where Homelander does actually appear to have like a pretty good motivation where he says he doesn't want Ryan to freak out when he gets older and sees the outside world and he wants a chance to show him the outside world. And Becca begs Homelander for a chance to raise Ryan differently than the way Homelander was. Um, but this scene I felt was really impactful because Homelander actually does seem to have like a, a reasonable motivation for saying like, hey, I freaked out when I realized like what I was and what I could do. And I don't want the same thing to happen to Ryan. And they both just have opposing views. And then of course, later on Stormfront gets into Ryan's ear and kind of manipulates him a little bit. And they show him the outside world, which then does lead to Ryan freaking out and deciding to go with Homelander and Stormfront. Yeah. I think this was a really good scene. I think it is a genuine, one of the few genuine moments we've had from Homelander, apart from scenes he had in the past with Stillwell. I think, Besides those, this is the most genuine we've seen him. Um, and and it, I agree with everything he's saying. I think it's absolutely right. It kind of feels like a moment of clarity in the sense that he's acknowledging that he's a bad person that has done bad things. But whether – I do think, of course, a lot of it's an excuse. But regardless, he talks about how his li- he felt like his life changed, being basically a test tube baby and experiment his whole life and being sheltered and then coming into the outside world with these powers. He had no idea what to do with them. And – whether or not what that means for reflecting on him, I think is obviously there's some problems there. But I do think what he's trying to say in terms of how it could affect Ryan later on are genuine. And he also calls Becca out for lying to him. It kind of sounds like he would be okay with Becca raising him the way she is, partly because she doesn't have a choice because Vought's keeping her there. But I think it kind of sounds like he just wants her to tell him the truth. And if she would do that, 
he would be fine with kind of just coming and coming and visiting. And ultimately, that lie that Becca says that she's telling Ryan because she loves him so much and is trying to raise him the right way, like you said, is what Homelander and Stormfront tell Ryan at the end. Ryan, of course, resents his mother, and then he goes off with them. And like one of the last shots we see is Homelander just grabbing Ryan, and then they, he and Stormfront just zoom off into the air, and we see Becca just scream for him. And it's pretty freaking scary because I mean. We have these two superpowered beings. Think about what they could do if they weaponized Ryan. So I have no idea, no idea where this is going to go. Obviously, I think it goes without saying, this is where Butcher is going to come into the story next episode. I'm assuming Becca and he will reunite in some way and we'll get a showdown. So who knows what's going to happen? What are you looking forward to based on the way the storyline ended? Yeah, we're, we're definitely headed for a showdown. I don't think there's any reason for Becca to stick around in this little compound anymore. Um and I honestly, I feel bad for Ryan. Like, I feel yeah. bad that he was sheltered this way, but I can't imagine what it's going to be like being stuck with Homelander and Stormfront. Like, talk about the candidates for worst parent of the year right there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even though I think parts of this season have been hit or miss, I am so excited for this finale. And I cannot wait to see what they do, especially, um, which we'll get to in a second, especially with that cliffhanger. Yeah, let's get to it now. So just building up to the cliffhanger, we have a couple uh, just iffy scenes for me. I I just don't really care about them too much, but the main one being, we don't need to spend too much time on it unless you have strong feelings. We get to see what I mentioned earlier is Mallory and Mother's Milk kind of team up to go talk to Vogelbaum to basically have a backup chief witness or just another witness, and he just kind of shuts them down. He doesn't want to be back in the life. He doesn't want Vought. He doesn't want to be back into it. He doesn't want to have to deal with those people. He doesn't want to come clean about anything. And Mallory and Mother's Milk try and guilt him into it, and ultimately they're unsuccessful. So... Uh, that's really all there is to say. I mean, it's really Butcher who comes into the picture later that kind of changes things, but there's not much here. I don't have much to say about uh, Mallory and Mother's Milk, but I, I do have something I want to touch on with Butcher going to see Volkabond. Yeah, so talk talk to us about that, because like I said, these two are unsuccessful. Mallory tells Mother's Milk maybe he should get out of the life, go back to his family, but not long after, Butcher comes to give <laughs> give it the old college try and he's all ramped up after having choked out his father so he comes in and he's going to try and get Vogelbaum to come help them out so <laughs> why don't you tell us how that goes down and what your thoughts were on it yeah so so butcher does come in to see Vogelbaum and uh basically he ends up threatening his entire family if he doesn't testify and the thing i found that was really interesting here was last week, I don't know if we got a chance to touch on it, but last week there was a scene where Starlight compared Butcher to Homelander. And this Mm -hmm. does feel like a very Homelander-esque scene where Butcher's like, I'm going to go into the other room and and pay your daughter a visit if you don't testify. Um, So I do think we really do see a a really darker side of Butcher in this scene. Yeah, not only that, he basically says not only is he going to kill the people in the house, but he's going to go find all of his children, kill them. He's going to kill their significant others and kill their children if he does not help them. So pretty shocking, hard to watch. I think the only reason it makes sense that the father stuff is in this episode is to kind of get him angry enough to do something like this. And um, yeah, Carl Urban's fantastic in the scene. It's just, yeah, definitely hard to watch. And And I wonder, like, like, clearly Butcher is not all the way sane. But I wonder if he's totally faking it here or if he is actually starting to lose it a little bit. No idea. <laughs> I don't even have, really have thoughts on it. I, I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. We do see later on in the episode, we won't really talk too much about it, but he basically goes to meet back up with his mom one last time and they have a quick conversation where you know his mother kind of apologizes for his dad's behavior and then they end up hugging. So I don't know if that's supposed to mean that maybe there is still humanity in there. Uh, I don't know. I love Butcher. I love Carl Urban, but... 
I feel like he is one of those characters that there almost is a lot more negative storylines and moments than good ones. I mean, whenever he's good, he's great. But stuff like this, it's just like, he's so threatening and scary. And it is good. And I like watching it. But then the stuff kind of comes to mind that you're talking about, which is, what am I supposed to take away from this in terms of who this character is? Like, is it just supposed to kind of like you said, equate him with Homelander and maybe they're not so different? Like, I don't know what that leads to. Is it anything interesting? I don't know. So I feel like we've kind of been doing this dance with Butcher since like the pilot episode. So it kind of just, it kind of just feels like, I don't know. I don't really know. Well, let's get to some exploding heads. Yeah, let's do it. So basically we have, um, for, first of all, I like how this scene starts with like all of the side characters coming, kind of like coming together and they're all turning on their TVs, grabbing their popcorn, grabbing their drinks. Like we're going to watch the hearing and we see is this all also, the- is this also supposed to be a shot at Batman v Superman? Like another shot with this, like the way this hearing is filmed. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I would hope that wasn't their inspiration, <laughs> but <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, could be, I guess. But we get to see all the boys and everybody like in their underground little bunker, kind of like, oh, it's on, guys, it's on. They all get together. And then we also get to see, we, won't, we don't talk about too much about the storyline. I just thought it was funny. We get to see the Deep and A-Train <laughs> at a bar, basically getting together. And they had kind of a cool little storyline where the Church of the Collective, we, we finally get to see something negative. Uh, Eagle the Archer from earlier in the season, the guy that recruited Deep has been completely cut ties with because he did like one thing he spoke against them in one thing he wouldn't distance himself from his mother that's right so very clearly scientology adjacent um and so the deep and <laughs> again the deep such a bad character but he kills me chase crawford is so good whenever <laughs> of course they're at a party too so it's one of those scenes where like the music's playing everybody's talking so loud and the leader guy's like what are your thoughts on eagle the archer and deep's like fucking love that guy he changed my life <laughs> and he's like we've cut ties and he's like oh yeah hit fucking yeah he's, he's not that great i actually didn't like him that much <laughs> <laughs> so funny i just love how oblivious this character is i, love I also that. love i also love the look on a train's face in this scene and, too yeah because he starts to doubt it he starts i think at the end of the last episode he thought maybe that there were some benefits to it but clearly he's like this is not good and so that leads into the scene i was referencing where they're sitting down at the bar and a train is like hey man i thought uh eagle was your was your buddy what happened and even deep is kind of like he clearly feels bad about it but at this point he's just going to try and leverage any opportunity he can to get back in the seven so before they can really get too much more into it, the hearing starts. We see all the characters, a lot of them at least there. We see Newman leading the proceedings. Mallory's there. Um, Homelander and Stormfront are there. Ashley's there. Lots of randoms as well that we've kind of seen throughout the show. And then, of course, as the hearing gets underway, the chief witness has been called. Vogelbaum comes on in. Like I mentioned, we get that really cool scene where Homelander looks at him. And he doesn't look mad. He doesn't look sad. He just has... He has no idea what to think or say, which I thought was kind of a different thing for Homelander. We don't see a lot, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, I love I love the look on his face in this scene. Yeah, but again, before, I feel like this episode is a lot of before we can get to it, uh, before we can get to Vogelbaum testifying. He does the I swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then immediately we see a little bit of the blood start to come out the nose from some of the characters, and then just like Rainer at the beginning of the season. One head pops. I believe it's the judges, I think. Judge head pops. Vocal bomb's like, oh, shit, that's scary. His head pops. And then it's just, it's like Kingsman, the end of Kingsman. It just kind of goes around and a bunch of smaller characters' head pops. I think there's a, kind of an interesting discussion to be had about who's doesn't. For example, Newman's head doesn't. But like her aide that was helping her earlier, hers does. And then also important to note is um, 
Shockwave, I think the character's name is, the person that was supposed to replace A-Train, his head pops. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so... A-Train, like, you're back in, buddy. You I made it. Might be a reason I believe the church is behind this. Um, oh, because, okay. That's a good point. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, so, like I said, but we this, do... This has to be Cindy, though, right? Like, that's people, her power. Yeah, people are saying that. I guess my thing is, here's why I don't think it's Cindy. We saw her in the hospital and she popped ahead yeah but rainer died the exact same way earlier in the season jennifer esposito's character from season one so is cindy not in the hospital like a few days before you know what i mean like she must have been free i feel like we might get a little bit of retconning in episode eight where they show us like what's cindy been up to this whole season you know i feel like that could be coming i guess what i'm saying though is that would have meant cindy would have killed rainer then immediately gone to the hospital and everybody there seems so scared of her and like they knew her and had been working with her for a while. Well, here's my theory. My theory is we know Stormfront has a history with the church. So I'm yeah. wondering if, if maybe Vought isn't actually running this hospital, if maybe the church is. And the church let Cindy out, had her explode Rainer's head, took her back to the hospital. No, but the hospital was well after Rainer died, remember? She died at the beginning of the season. I know. I'm saying, I'm saying Cindy was already in the hospital. The church let her out to do this mission oh. to kill Rainer, put okay. her back in. Um, and then somehow she ended up exploding heads at the courthouse. Yeah, it's possible. The last thing I'll say, the reason I don't think it is, is based on the way Stormfront acted in that hospital, there is 0% chance that Stormfront never had that interaction that she had with that guy that Lampletter killed. There's no way she didn't have that same interaction at times with Cindy, especially since she's so powerful. Stormfront would have been attracted to her and like running tests and talking with her. So, and we know Cindy hated everybody like she says as much in the last episode that she hates people like that. She almost killed the boys just for being dressed the same as Lamplighter. So I just can't, I can't imagine that if Cindy was the one behind it, why wouldn't she have killed Stormfront? So that's kind of the only other thing that I think it might be the church, but we'll see. I think that's going to be another big resolution. If it's not her though, then why make her explode a head in the hospital? It just feels so weird. How many heroes are running around exploding heads in this world? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, my question is, even if we're going to see Cindy again, we talked about that um, yeah, I know. whenever we did, but it, it feels a little bit like, what would her role even be in this show? I, I could see, like we talked about, maybe they save her for season three um, in some villain or maybe anti-hero role, who knows? But yeah, I don't think it's her. I'm leaning more towards the church, but again, why they're doing it, how they're doing it is more interesting because it's one thing to kill Rainer, but how did they coordinate it here where... They killed so many kind of side characters, but not any big people. Do they not want to kill the big character? It's kind of like, why would they do that? So it's, I think it's going to be an interesting reveal regardless. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I, I think it is the church in some capacity. I just think it might be the church through Cindy in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, definitely possible. Um, but regardless, that's kind of what we're left with. Um, all this confusion's going on. We get to see Homelander and Stormfront. I think Stormfront, obviously has a bit more knowledge into what's going on. Homelander, I don't. He's kind of looking around all confused just as much as the next person. And everybody watching from afar on the TVs and stuff, they're all obviously shocked. And that's kind of where it ends. So you kind of leave us with this big, hectic, crazy moment to get us pumped up for the next episode. Obviously, the hearing did not go as planned. Both chief witnesses now. I think really anybody that would turn, well, both Lamplighter and Vogelbaum are dead. So if they're ever going to have a chance to do this again, they're going to have to have... They're going to have to pray that somebody like Starlight or Maeve will do it. I guess at this point, Starlight maybe can because she's been outed. But I have no idea what to expect going forward in this season. 
Yeah, that that is, I guess, one thing you can say as a positive for this season is it does keep you guessing. Um, yeah. It has been so far very hard to predict where things are going. Well, I don't think this episode was as strong as where we left things in episode six. Overall, I do think this was still a good episode. Um, it definitely wasn't as bad as some of the earlier episodes in this season. I do yeah. think, though, that episode eight does need to end things off with a bang in order for me to look back on this season as a success. Me too, 100%. If this has a lame ending, it's going to really make me not love this season. I mean, if next week is not great, I'm, this is just going to be something that I look back on. I was like, well, that sixth episode, the hospital episode was cool, but that was about it. I'll still watch season three to see if it gets better, but I really hope next week the finale is just a strong closing that leaves some cool things open, but also gives us some closure on some things. So we'll wait and see. I guess that covers, unless you had anything anything else you wanted to add in terms of what you liked or didn't like, I think that'll kind of close us out a little bit. I think I'm good. Let's wrap things up. So, this was another beautiful, powerful, epic, a bonus episode of the award-winning podcast within a podcast, The Boys Talking the Boys. We covered episode seven. We will be back next Thursday. Actually, no. Austin. Big news! We are not waiting a week. Our coverage of episode 8, the season finale of The Boys Season 2, will be coming out this Sunday. So when is that? October... Pulling up the calendar, bear with me! October 11th is when we'll be covering the season finale. So we're not going to wait a full week. We figured, you know what, there's no episode coming the week after. We might as well get it to you as quick as we can. So that's the plan. So stay tuned for that. We cannot wait to break it down and talk about it. Austin... Besides that, what else does the audience need to look forward to? What's coming down the pipeline? What other shows could they check out that we have going on now? Yeah, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Um, if you're a first-time listener, this is just a special bonus series that we've been doing for season two of The Boys. Um, if you want to check out our main stuff, those drop every Tuesday. Uh, this past Tuesday, we put out an episode on Rogue One. And this coming Tuesday, we'll have a review of The Haunting of Bly Manor. So be on the yes. lookout for that. And like Matt mentioned, be sure to check your podcast feed on Sunday because we will have our final episode of The Boys, Talking The Boys, episode eight, coming out on Sunday. It's going to be a long weekend, Austin. The three of us, including Keith, are going to be binging The Haunting of Bly Manor so that we can give you that review next week. I've not binged something in a while, so that'll be interesting. And then after that, the rest of the month, guys, is all spooks. We're talking best Halloween movies at some point. We're talking The Last Jedi, which I know is just as much of a horror movie for some people. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll get to that as part of our ongoing Star Wars series. So, it's all good stuff. I'm excited. As every news anchor across the country has been saying, it's spooky season. It's spooky. Too spooky exciting stuff so yeah guys besides all that please feel free follow us on instagram at the arnies send us a dm what are your thoughts on season two of the boys what are your thoughts on star wars we just did rogue one like austin mentioned what do you think of that episode what do you think of the movie what do you think of last jedi coming up after haunting a blind manor be sure to leave your thoughts on that as well anything you leave we'll be happy to read it on air I say on air, this isn't a radio show. This is obviously pre-recorded. We'll happy to be happy to read it on the show. It's a modern radio show. Yes. yes it's yes, the yes, next yes. stage of radio, if yeah, you will. Might as well be. Modern radio. There you go. That's all I've got. Austin, any closing thoughts or are we good to go? Last thing, our website is thearnies.media if you want to check us out there. Um, and you can also shoot us an email there. We do have a newsletter that you're welcome to sign up for. Bye, everyone. Bye.